Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Hope your Tuesday is going fantastically well. Uh, In hour two, we will touch base with Yahoo Sports national columnist Dan Wetzel. In hour three, our guy Petros Papadakis from AM570 Sports in LA will join us. Uh, That is still to come here in hour one. I want to talk more about Tiger Woods and athletes who are all-time, if you remember our conversation yesterday, all-time needle movers. The numbers came out for the PGA Championship, and Tiger Woods, ironically perhaps, increased ratings by 69% over last year and set a nine-year tournament high Uh, in the history of the PGA tournament. There are a lot of you out there listening right now who made the decision to watch the PGA Championship and Tiger Woods based on the fact that Tiger Woods was in contention. And if he had not been in contention, you would have chosen to spend your Sunday doing something else. That is the ultimate definition of a guy who can move you based on his success in the sport. In other words... If it had been Brooks Kapka against Adam Scott and down the stretch, Tiger Woods had not been involved at all, ratings would have been nearly 70% lower. 
the chances of many of you of getting up, changing the channel, putting on the PGA Championship would have been low. Now, I'm fascinated in general by the question of who are these guys? They're mostly guys, but also girls who would not watch golf at all but for Tiger Woods being involved. I'd like to see the demos on it. My guess is there are people who don't ever play golf. They wouldn't otherwise be in the Target golf demo. And Tiger Woods' dominance and their interest now in Tiger Woods' comeback story leads them to be willing to put on the PGA Championship and give over potentially several hours of their Sunday that otherwise they would have spent in a different way. And so I find that to be utterly fascinating, to be honest. Who are these people? Uh, A lot of you are listening right now and you're saying, hey, it's me. It's me. I care about Tiger. I don't care about golf. Well, I sat down, and if you remember yesterday, I said that I made a list of athletes that I believed were the ultimate needle movers. And I said, I'm only going to do this for the last 40 years, basically, of athletics. Effectively, this is the 1980s, this is the 1990s, this is the 2000s, and it's the 2010s. So I was born in 1979. This is basically everybody that I can remember having had an impact in terms of getting me to get up and put on a, uh, a contest, right? Be willing to put on a, um, a, a game. And so I thought to myself, I need to go back and make sure I got this list right. So yesterday, I gave you my top seven. And we got so much interaction and we got so much feedback that I thought to myself, you know what? I need to go back through this and make sure that I did this as good as I could. I want to do a longer form list and give everybody out there an idea of what this would look like and who the athletes are, all sports, guys who have been able to get you to put on an athletic event and pay attention when otherwise you would have had almost no interest. These are, to me, the ultimate athletes who can make you go grab your remote and put on a game when otherwise you would have been like, eh, I don't really care about this event in any way, right? And there are relatively few of these guys in the history of sports. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and I will put together my top 20. So yesterday I went into the OutKick Laboratory and I paid attention to a lot of the tweets that you guys sent me to the emails that you guys sent me after our conversation yesterday. And obviously, I, I, I was motivated when I saw the numbers come out for the PGA Championship. And so I said, you know what? We'll have some fun in hour one of this show. And you guys can interact with me. I'm at Clay Travis. Uh, you can, uh, you can uh, give me feedback, obviously, 877-996-6369. But this is my top 20 now, okay? Top 20 all-time needle movers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this list. You got me for years now. I signed an extension. I'm going to take this list and I'm going to put it beside uh, where I do the show. And I will adjust this over the next several years, maybe even expand it to the top 25. I think this is a fascinating question. Which athletes move the needle in their particular sports 
more so than any others basically over the last 40 years. And I think I've got a pretty awesome top 20 list. So let me go ahead and get rolling here with the top 20. And I start at number 20 with Roger Federer. Okay? I think that if Roger Federer is not involved in men's tennis, if Roger Federer, and you can argue a little bit that this should be Rafael Nadal alongside of Federer, because I think Federer, a lot of you think automatically Nadal, you're on one side or the other of the Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal argument. But I think that Roger Federer ultimately kind of stands alone because he's been a little bit more dominant. But I also will accept if you want this to be Roger Federer slash Rafael Nadal. For men's tennis, when Roger Federer is done, I think that men's tennis is going to be in a little bit of a rough spot because we've had a lot of guys. Men's tennis tends to be dynastic where you have somebody who can sit around and sort of dominate in a way that doesn't necessarily happen in other sports, whether you're talking about Pete Sampras, whether you're talking about Agassi back in the day, uh, whether you are talking about, um, you know, Stefan Edberg, Boris Becker. I mean, we can go through a list of guys who were absolutely dominant. The most dominant athlete of all time in tennis is Roger Federer. I think he moves the needle. All right, all you L.A. Kobe stands, it's just after 3 a.m., so you can take out your Kobe Bryant 8 and 24 jerseys and wave them around your head. I got Kobe Bryant at 19. Yes, yes. I've got Kobe Bryant at 19 on the needle mover. There are uh, a few guys out there. When you heard Kobe was going at it, when he was scoring points, when he was making his run towards 81, I think Kobe was a guy that people would put on television to watch. And uh, I've got him at 19 on my list. 18. It's an oldie, but I think a really goodie. How about Barry Sanders? You want to talk about a guy who was just cursed to have ended up on the Detroit Lions. Imagine how much different Barry Sanders' entire persona would be if, say, Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers had had Barry Sanders on their team. Imagine how much different you would think about Barry Sanders if he had been able to play on the big stage in a lot of big games and still finally just getting fed up with the Lions and deciding to leave. But if you are old enough to remember what Barry Sanders was capable of doing on the football field, guys, when he was at Oklahoma State, remember that he followed Thurman Thomas? I believe one of you guys in the studio in L.A. pull up Barry Sanders' stats for, I think it was the 1986 college football season. They may be the single most remarkable collection of statistics in the history of college football. When we come back out of this break here in a minute, I'm going to get those Barry Sanders stats for you. For some of you out there who are young and have never heard what Barry Sanders was capable of, his game log in, I believe it was 1986 when he won the Heisman Trophy, I think it's the most remarkable season in college football history. Barry Sanders, 18 on my list. 17 on my list. This guy, I know we had all of the issues with drugs and um, needles and cheating and everything else. And that was one of the things I was trying to balance out on my list. Do I knock a guy 
because we know that he cheated. And ultimately, my answer was no, because when we were in that moment, when you heard that Barry Bonds was coming up to bat during the final several years of his career, when he was going for 70 home runs, when he was hitting everything into McCovey's Cove out there in San Francisco, you couldn't miss seeing Barry Bonds come up to bat. And so I've got Barry Bonds at 17 on my list of all-time needle movers. And by all-time needle movers, I mean guys in the last 40 years. 16 on my list. When I was a kid growing up, I had three posters on the walls in my bedroom. I had Michael Jordan dunking from the free throw line. I had uh, Eric Davis. I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. I had Eric Davis and I had this guy, and maybe, I think, one of the most iconic posed photos of all time. Again, not a photo that was taken inside of an actual sporting event, but I think maybe the most iconic photo ever taken in a staged manner. How about Bo Jackson wearing the shoulder pads from football with the baseball bat also over his shoulders? If you remember that photo an unbelievable Bo Jackson baseball and football photo before Bo Jackson got hurt. If you are old enough to remember watching Bo Jackson play both baseball for the Kansas City Royals and uh, football for the Oakland Raiders or the LA Raiders, it was a revelation. Bo Jackson did things that nobody else is capable of doing, running up the outfield wall remember when he made that catch uh running on Monday night football all the way down against I think it was the Seattle Seahawks all the way down the uh the tunnel after he scored and they said my god how far how fast is Bo Jackson he is maybe the greatest single athlete of my life remember them telling a story about Bo Jackson this is an amazing thing if you've been to the beach at all this summer they said Bo Jackson could stand in water in the ocean that was waist deep okay waist deep water and he could squat and spring himself out of waist deep water and do a flip that's amazing to think about the raw athleticism of Bo Jackson I think he might be the greatest athlete of my life so far just in terms of raw physical specimen athleticism to be that good at baseball to be that good at baseball I mean he could have been a hall of famer in both sports and to have his career come to a close because I think that was a tackle by the Cincinnati Bengals am I right uh in the playoffs his hip just yanked right out of socket that is okay I'm running through my top 20 all-time needle movers those are my first five uh, I will come back. We'll hit you with the Barry Sanders data, and I will continue the countdown. Tuesday edition, fun list, all-time needle movers in honor of Tiger Woods increasing ratings 69%. We started talking about this yesterday. I told you I was going to go through and make sure that I got this right. So here are my top uh, bottom five. Roger Federer, Kobe Bryant, Barry Sanders, Barry Bonds, Bo Jackson, uh, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16. We'll continue the countdown. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Having some fun running through all-time needle movers. Um, in honor of Tiger Woods, increasing rating 69% for the PGA Championship. I gave you my top seven yesterday, and we got so much feedback and so many people weighing in. Uh, let me give you the criteria. Top, uh, top, basically my lifetime, and I'm almost 40. I'm 39. So this is basically the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s. And really it kind of makes sense because – I would say this is the age when sports kind of became so prevalent on television that you had enough options where there was, it wasn't like, oh, there's only one game on, so I'm going to watch this game. You had cable, you had multiple different games, uh, entertainment options, certainly as we move into the 2010s, where you could be watching Netflix, you could be watching uh, just sitting around, hanging out on the internet. You could be listening to your favorite podcast. By the way, go download ours, search out OutKick. Uh, all the cool kids are doing it. And uh, and so I think the time actually makes a lot of sense. And I was saying I was going to hit some of the details on Barry Sanders' 1988. It was 88, not 86, which might be the greatest individual football season of all time. And let me give you the rough outline here. In 1988, Barry Sanders with Oklahoma State set 34 NCAA records. Uh, he won the Heisman Trophy. He rushed for 2,628 yards and 37 touchdowns. And if you count his performance against the in the Holiday Bowl, they used to not count bowl game records. He totaled 2,850 yards and 44 touchdowns. Because he had five touchdowns in the bowl game. Yeah, nobody has even come close to touching these numbers. And when you go through game by game, I think it was an 11-game season if you count the bowl game. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It, I think Barry Sanders might be the most underrated uh, athlete of my life in terms of I don't think people autom- automatically think of him but if you think back into the uh, late 80s and early 90s and what he was capable of with the Detroit Lions he would be so much more popular if he played today and we live in a highlight era where you could see all of his plays almost in the Instagram and uh, and Twitter and Facebook share universe there were so many things he did that nobody else could do and you have his stats. Do you have his uh, game stats, uh, uh, Danny G? <laughs> yeah, these game-by-game game stats are ridiculous. Uh, so the first game out the gate, September 10th, returned the opening kickoff 100 yards for the touchdown. Yeah, he returned kicks Holy and punts w- as well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So uh, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, five TDs in the third game, four touchdowns, four touchdowns, two, three, two, five. He broke the single season uh, touchdown record with 31 for the season at that point versus Kansas on November 12th. The very next game, he followed up the five touchdown performance with four TDs, including an 80-yard touchdown run. The next game, December 3rd versus uh, Texas Tech, four touchdowns again, back-to-back four touchdown games. And then, yeah, in that bowl game you mentioned versus Wyoming and San Diego, uh, five touchdowns. Ridiculous. Yeah, kind of put into perspective. The guy played uh, 11 games, 
and he averaged just shy of 260 yards rushing per game. You think about um, all of it's not like that. And by the way, the quarterback on that Oklahoma State team, Mike Gundy, uh, the current head coach of Oklahoma State. So I, I think when I was going through thinking about the needle movers, um, I, I remember as a kid sitting back and just being in awe of everything Barry Sanders did. So uh, Roger Federer, Kobe Bryant, Barry Sanders, Barry Bonds, Bo Jackson, top uh, counting down from 20. At 15, I've got Serena Williams. At uh, and, and I think Serena probably for women's tennis. I'm not sure over the last 15 years, basically 20 years nearly, that anybody cared about uh, women's tennis other than Serena occasionally playing Venus. I mean, there have been different women. Mar- Maria Sharapova is probably number two on that list for women's tennis players that make people kind of sit up and take notice. Interestingly, Anna Kornikova is uh, is probably pretty high up there too, just based on the fact that she was good looking, but she never really had a high, high level of success in terms of winning uh, any kind of, uh, of, of major. Um, Wayne Gretzky. This is one Doug Gottlieb called in. I I think Gretzky in hockey is the only guy that's ever been on this list. Uh, What he did when he came to L.A., the fact that he's basically a legend in the entirety of Canada. I've got Wayne Gretzky, 14 on my list. 13 may surprise some people, um, but I think Johnny Manziel was must-see football. When Johnny Manziel was playing, uh, and even now, in the CFL. Johnny Manziel has played two games as a starter in the CFL. And I think there are a lot of people out there listening to me right now who said, yeah, I put it on. Yeah, I paid attention. I got on social media to see how Johnny Manziel was going to do. He plays on ESPN2, I think, Saturday as the starting quarterback for Montreal. Even in the CFL, his first game that he started, there was the highest rated CFL game of the year in America, and it doubled the average ratings for a CFL game. There are hundreds of thousands of people even now who will put on a Johnny Manziel game. 12 overall, I've got Usain Bolt. Um, I I think the dominance that Usain Bolt brought to bear being the fastest man in the history of the world, he was and that is a race that makes people stop what they're doing and go sit down in front of the television. I've got Usain Bolt at 12. At 11, and it was a short-lived dominance, but I'll be damned if Ronda Rousey didn't make a lot of you out there buy UFC fights. There was about a year and a half or two years there where Ronda Rousey was a meteor streaking across the night sky that would make you get up off your wallet. You couldn't uh, wait to see her, to see how she was going to do. That is my 22-11. Roger Federer, Kobe Bryant, Barry Sanders, Barry Bonds, Bo Jackson, Serena Williams, athletes, all-time needle movers since 1980. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, Johnny Manziel, Usain Bolt, Ronda Rousey. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, get the update, and then I'll keep my countdown going. All right, let's give you a Geico scoreboard from Major League Baseball where the A's beat the Mariners 7-6. Oakland moves two and a half games up on Seattle for the final wildcard spot in the American League. They're also now just two back of Idle Houston for the top spot in the AL West. Braves sweep a doubleheader from the Marlins by scores of 9-1 and 6-1. Atlanta now is a full game lead on Idle Philadelphia for the top spot in the NL East. Diamondbacks lose to the Rangers 5-3 while the Dodgers fall to the Giants 5-2. So Arizona still has that one game lead on LA atop the NL West. Colorado was off. 
off, but they pick up a half game. And they're also now just one game out in that NL West race. A couple of notes from the NFL. Chicago Bears agreed to terms with first-round pick linebacker Roquan Smith. Ending his holdout, he was the last remaining unsigned rookie. And New York Giants top pick running back Saquon Barkley suffered a mild left hamstring strain in practice, but the team says it's not considered serious. Good stuff, Eddie Garcia. Um, We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Make sure you download the podcast. You can seek us out. Uh, My name is Clay Travis. You can find us there. You can find us on Outkick. Millions of you are doing it. All the cool kids, make sure that you join the club and don't miss anything on this show. All right, so I'm counting down needle movers. All-time needle movers in sports in honor of Tiger Woods, who obviously is going to be high on this list, counting down from 20. I did seven yesterday, and there were so many people who weighed in, so many people giving feedback that I said, I've got to expand this. At 20, Roger Federer. At 19, Kobe Bryant. 18, Barry Sanders. 17, Barry Bonds. 16, Bo Jackson. 15, Serena Williams. 14, Wayne Gretzky. 13, Johnny Manziel. 12, Usain Bolt, 11, Ronda Rousey, and then we move into the top 10, Brett Favre. Brett Favre is, to me, a great sort of test for internet era because Brett Favre, when he was deciding, am I going to retire, am I not going to retire, am I going to play for the Vikings, am I going to play for the Jets, am I going to come back and play with the with the Packers, everybody would say, oh, we don't care about Brett Favre, we don't care about the obsessive coverage of Brett Favre, but I'm telling you, all of the numbers reflected that you did. When you talked about Brett Favre, there was a huge segment of the population out there that was obsessed with how Brett Favre was going to do. And then on the field, you never knew what you might get from one moment to the next with Brett Favre. He was the quintessential gunslinger. He is the embodiment of so many future uh, quarterbacks. How often do you hear a guy referred to as Favre-like, playing in Green Bay. It was a great location for him, perfect for his personality. I feel like Brett Favre and John Madden were sort of two sides of the same coin. I got Favre at 10. At 9, LeBron James. LeBron, whether you love or hate him, is a guy who will move the needle. You tune in to see what's going to happen to LeBron. He's had the decision 1.0. He's had the decision 2.0. Now he's had the decision 3.0. He wasn't getting enough attention, maybe. So he decides, I'm going to move to LA, the number two media market in the country. I'm going to become a mogul. I'm going to go out to dinner with Al Pacino. I'm going to go out to dinner with Leonardo DiCaprio. Every little move in LA is going to be chronicled. I'm telling you, LeBron is number nine on this list. How about number eight? And this is our first duo, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. It's it's amazing when you think about the rise of the NBA, that when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird entered into the NBA, the NBA Finals and many of the NBA playoff games were carried on television on tape delay. They weren't even on live television. That's how far down the food chain the NBA was before Magic Johnson, which would again have been the greatest name for a porn star of all time, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird made the NBA. Jordan took it to another level, but Magic Johnson and Larry Bird made the NBA 
a relevant national story. They took it from tape-delayed playoffs to regular season uh, must-see, and certainly in the playoffs, they took the East and the West Coast, the Lakers and the Celtics, and they made everybody care. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, number eight on my list. In the seven spot, if you remember when these guys were going back and forth in their home run race, even though we later found out that they were cheating, that they roided up, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa made you rush to your television during the great home run chase. Was one of these guys going to be able to beat Roger Maris? They went back and forth on live television. They would cut in for every one of their at-bats. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It was a very short-lived blip on the radar, but those guys in their pursuit of Roger Maris must see television. You would drop whatever you were doing to get in front of your television as these guys went back and forth to see who was going to end up with the home run title. Number six. I have been lots of places in my life where sports stars show up. I have never seen anything like the environment when Tim Tebow walked into Radio Row in the midst of Tebow mania. I have also seen at SEC Media Days so many different athletes over the years come in and coaches. The only two guys I've ever felt it be electric when they were in the building, Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel. Everybody carried themselves differently. If you have heard the phrase in your life, which I'm sure you have, Elvis has left the building. I think Tim Tebow during the peak of Tebow mania and Johnny Manziel as well, but Tebow in particular, his Tebow mania carried into the NFL when he won a playoff game, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, And it was remarkable. You have to watch this guy play. Every game came down to the fourth quarter. Everything that he did with the Florida Gators. I have never seen a guy create mania like Tim Tebow did. It was all the rage. Everybody had an opinion from his religious connections, kneeling and and praying, uh, to everything surrounding Tebow mania. Tebow is number six on my all-time needle movers going from the 1980s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s, guys who made you put on television and sit back and watch. All right, I will continue. I'm going to go ahead and give out the phone number. You guys can load up the phone lines. I'll give you my final five when we come back. Final segment, 877-996-6369. These are the OutKick 20 Best Needle Movers of all time in honor of Tiger Woods, increasing rating 69%. Nice work there on the PGA Championship. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Tuesday morning with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, final segment breaking down all-time needle movers in the world of sports, 1980s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, guys or girls in the world of sports who would make you change the station if you knew they were on, if you knew they were in the midst of going through 
one of their great runs. Uh, if you're just uh, hanging out with us, encourage you to go download the podcast. You can hear me break this down. I did it last yesterday in hour three in honor of Tiger Woods PGA Championship. I sat down. I started jotting out my list. There was so much feedback on my top seven. I said, you know what? I think I got a top 20. And so here we go quickly. Roger Federer, 20. Kobe Bryant, 19. Barry Sanders, 18. Barry Bonds, 17. Bo Jackson, 16. Serena Williams, 15. Wayne Gretzky, 14. Johnny Manziel, 13. Usain Bolt, 12. Ronda Rousey, 11. Brett Favre, LeBron James, Magic and Larry Bird tied at 8. McGuire Sosa tied at 7. Tim Tebow, 6. Here we move into the top five. Uh, Another two guys who are tied. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I feel like it's almost impossible in the same way that you can't say McGuire without Sosa, that you can't say Magic without Larry Bird. I think it's hard to talk about Peyton Manning without also talking about Tom Brady. And I know Peyton Manning's been retired for a couple of years, but I would imagine most of you feel the same way. I think you can make an argument that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady is the greatest rivalry in sports head-to-head with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird that maybe we have never seen. I think you could make Federer, Nadal. um, you, You could go back in time and end up with other guys. But to me, the way to test this is, is it possible to talk about Tom Brady without within a couple of sentences also talking about Peyton Manning? And vice versa, is it possible to talk about Peyton Manning without within a couple of sentences talking about Tom Brady? I think the answer is no. Both of these guys... If you were a Manning guy or if you were a Brady guy, you didn't just watch your guy. You watched the other guy so you could argue your guy was better. They defined the NFL for about 15 years. The most successful and dominant 15-year stretch in the history of the NFL, nearly 20-year stretch, was helmed up by Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I think when you go back and they write books – They are going to say the golden age of the NFL, the faces of the NFL at that time for basically nearly a 20-year period were Peyton Manning and they were Tom Brady. I've got them at five. Four is a guy that I think I missed on my initial list. Four is a guy that I'll acknowledge I missed on my initial list and then you guys blew me up on Twitter. You were making arguments. I took a step back and I said, you know what? You're right about this guy, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, nobody even cares about swimming. In 2008, 2000, whatever the years were. Is it 2008, 2012, 2016 in Beijing, in London, and then again in 2016 in Rio or Brazil or wherever they were doing the races. Everybody made the decision, I've got to be there sitting down in front of my television to watch Michael Phelps in whatever medley he was in, in whatever relay he was in. I don't even know how many gold medals and medals overall that Michael Phelps has now, but there's never been an Olympic athlete who has gotten as many people to put the television on. I mean, people would set their DVRs when he was in Beijing and make sure, same thing in London, that they didn't even know what was going to happen in 2008 and 2012 and stay up late at night to watch it live in replay so that they could experience the joy of knowing what Michael Phelps was capable of. I hope Phelps is going to come back in 2020. 
I hope he's going to come back and do a couple more races in 2020 and just see if he can win another couple of medals. I would love to see it. Michael Phelps, number four on my list. Number three, if you are a fan of boxing, I hope you are old enough to have experienced Mike Tyson when he was the baddest-ass man on the planet. Some of you out there are like, where's Floyd Mayweather? Where's Conor McGregor? None of those guys ever in the history of boxing has compared to Mike Tyson as a needle mover back in the day. Mike Tyson would put on those black leather shorts and he would walk into the ring with just a white towel with a hole cut on cut in it and you had no idea what might happen. But you think if you're my age, that Mike Tyson video game, Mike Tyson was an icon. I mean, you could not escape Tyson and everything surrounding him. He was a circus. Nowadays, a lot of you might know him from the Hangover movies. He's kind of become this lovable, uh, you know, kind of jokester in his later years. This dude was a trained assassin in the 80s and the early 90s. He went to prison, which would have been, God, uh, just a, can you imagine in a modern social media age? I mean, this dude went to prison for rape. Uh, it was an unbelievable story. Mike Tyson, he's number three on my list. Number two, the guy who set off this list, Tiger Woods. The reason why I thought about this at all was sitting watching the PGA Championship. Tiger Woods, I believe, number two all-time needle mover. And number one, 1980s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, the number one needle mover in the outkick history of sports needle movers, Michael Jordan. These are my 20. You can react to them. Michael Jordan, here's a couple of stats for you. Jordan in 1998, 35 plus million people watched game six of the Chicago Bulls against the Utah Jazz. A few years later, without Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals, 8 million people watched the NBA Finals between the uh, San Antonio Spurs and the New Jersey Nets. You just heard that. I want you to think about that for a minute. 8 million people watch Spurs and Nets. 35 million watch Bulls Jazz. We've never seen a drop-off like that in the history of sports. Michael Jordan's audience is still unrivaled. People want to talk about LeBron. LeBron doesn't hold a candle to the interest that Michael Jordan brought to bear. Here's a great stat for you. LeBron game seven against the Warriors. LeBron game, uh, Kobe game seven against the Celtics. Both of those games, millions and millions of fewer viewers than Jordan in 98 going up against the Jazz. And that's despite, this is an amazing stat, despite the fact that there are 50 million more people living in America now than we're living in America in 1998 when Jordan played. The share of the audience that Michael Jordan brought to bear in the NBA has never been seen before, and I legitimately doubt whether it will ever be seen again. Michael Jordan, all-time number one on this list, needle movers. 
Uh, 877-996-6369. I will take your calls. Um, uh, who should I go to? Well, let me go, let me go to the crew first. Yeah, and we'll I was, was going to say top of the to hour. Begin, to begin the yep. top of the hour, 877-996-6369. That's my 20. Thoughts from you guys, Danny G. Well, I'll give credit to the two listeners who tweeted both of these in. Yesterday, Chris tweeted Michael Vick, and that was also a name that I had written down while you were doing the top 20. Jonathan tweeted the show yesterday, and he wrote hashtag redneck superhero. You know where he's going with this? Probably Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, Dale Earnhardt. He says, number three, change the sport. They went from 30,000-seat venues to 100,000-seat sellouts because of number three. Yeah, I'm not enough of a NASCAR expert. I'm going to be uh, honest with you. Several people told me Earnhardt should be on the list as a needle mover. Um, NASCAR is in such a rough spot right now. It's hard for me to kind uh, kind of give anybody that many props, but I think Earnhardt is a decent one. What about you guys, uh, Eddie Garcia, Roberto, anybody else that you think should be on the list? No, I just would have switched uh, Bo Jackson with Manziel on your on your list. Yeah, I think you could make an argument. There's some people who are already weighing in, fired up that I don't have Bo Jackson high enough on this list. And that's one of the good things about the list. I mean, I think this is one that I'm going to keep, like I said, I'm going to put it off to the side, and I'm going to continue to kind of adjust it as uh, as more and, and other games and, and things evolve. I think you can make an argument I was too low on Bo Jackson. Uh, I mean, look, that's the thing about a list, right? It's never flawlessly done. I'll also write this out and put it up on OutKick so you can Google it and go see it for yourselves and kind of look at it. Uh, Eddie Garcia, anything, anybody that you think should have been on this list that wasn't? I can't think of any names that you have excluded. I also, like Roberto, wouldn't have had Johnny Manziel, I don't think, that high. But as a hockey fan, I was warmed to hear that Wayne Gretzky is at least in on the list. So I was glad to hear that. Johnny Manziel is, I mean, I think you could flip Johnny Manziel and, uh, and Bo Jackson. I mean, I think that part of it is the age. Like, as we move into this modern age, I feel like it's much more common for you to get on Twitter or Facebook and actually be told, hey, this is going on, and you flip over and you watch it. And that's kind of the way that Johnny Manziel was. Uh, Johnny Manziel and Tebow, to me, are two sides of the same coin. The three best uh, and most entertaining SEC football players that I have ever seen at quarterback Cam Newton Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel all kind of happened bang 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 in the same era of SEC dominance Uh, I'll take your calls 877-996-6369 you guys can weigh in my 20 best needle movers in the 80s the 90s the 2000s and the 2010s I'm Clay Travis thanks for hanging with us here on Outkick the coverage Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Fun first hour, we broke down the 20 best needle-moving athletes in sports. Not needle-moving like, hey, I'm Barry Bonds, I'm going to shoot myself up. Not needle-moving like Lance Armstrong, who frankly I left out because of his needle-moving controversies. And also because I don't think that many people actually watched the Tour de France. I think people followed and paid attention to Lance Armstrong, but I don't think that many people actually watched it. Your reactions now. By the way, we're going to be joined uh, 720 Eastern, uh, Dan Wetzel. And uh, in the final hour, my guy Petros Papadakis will uh, join us as well. We've got uh, loaded lines. Let me hop in. Uh, Bob in Kentucky leads us off. What's up, Bob? 
when I think of uh, moving the needle, I think of what is, am I watching every year, no matter what? What is the Kentucky Derby in Kentucky? That is on my TV every year. And then I think Thanksgiving Day, you're going to watch the Lions game because that's all you got. It's on in the background. It's on your television set. Yeah, thanks for the call. But those are not individual players that you're watching because of that. You're also going to watch the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is maybe the biggest needle mover every year in the world of sports. But it doesn't matter who plays in the Super Bowl. You're going to watch it. And by and large, it doesn't matter who the horse is you're going to watch the Kentucky Derby if you're going to watch the Derby. And if you're going to watch Thanksgiving Day football, you're going to watch the Lions, even though they suck because you know they're the early game, and then you're probably going to watch the Cowboys because you know they're the late game. It's a tradition, but it doesn't have to do necessarily with the athlete itself. Dan in St. Louis. What's up, Dan? Uh, yeah, Clay, I would say this. Um, I, I'm not going to say Michael Vick. Me and Danny G talked about that at the beginning, but the three people that I would say are still in football. I, I, I would say this, O.J. Simpson. I would say uh, uh, Joe Montana because he's the measuring stick of all the quarterbacks. And I also would say um, I throw a third one in there, Tanya Harding. When Tanya Harding did the thing uh, with Nancy uh, Kerrigan, yeah, it's, it's it's not a bad argument. That's not a bad okay. argument. The Lillehammer, I think it was nineteen ninety two. Nancy Kerrigan versus Tanya Harding. I watched the movie. You want to watch a good movie? Uh, I, Tanya. I think that would come out like a year ago, something like that. I think it was nominated for an Oscar. And it's basically the Tanya Harding story. It's a good one. And, uh, yeah, there you go. There's Nancy Kerrigan after getting hit. Um, I, uh, well, first of all, O.J. Simpson's way before the list. You can make an argument for Joe Montana. Um, and, and maybe Joe Montana should be on the list. That's an early kind of 80s play. Um, I don't really the, – the, the thing that's tough about the early 80s, and again, I was really young then, but I don't remember being like, I have to watch this Joe Montana game. I remember being, as a kid, I was a kid in the 80s, but I remember being like, I've got to watch this Bo Jackson game. I've got to watch this Mike Tyson fight. Um, you know, for the guys in the 80s that I put on this list, Magic and Larry Bird, uh, I think Jordan, you can say, in the in the 80s was kind of when he began to become uh, well-known. Wayne Gretzky, they were guys that I believe, Barry Sanders in the late 80s, they were guys that you had to see. I didn't have that I have to see him feeling about Joe Montana myself. Now, maybe some of you did. Um, I, I just, I did not yet. And so, uh, and so I left Montana off. Great quarterback, incredible quarterback. You can make an argument, greatest of all time, but I just didn't have that same reaction to him. Uh, Lewis in Palo Alto, California. What's up, Lewis? Clay, uh, I'm not quibbling where you put Barry Sanders on your list, but uh, Christian McCaffrey, you went on and on about his collegiate record. Christian McCaffrey broke almost every one of Barry well, Sanders. Hold, the, hold on my, a sec. I is, love – hold on. Let me, let, me, let me give you an exception on Kirsten McCaffrey. A lot of his yardage was returning kickoffs and also returning punts, which while I love Christian McCaffrey and think he's a fantastic player to watch, that's different than averaging 260 yards rushing per game 
which is what Barry Sanders did. So if you go look at the yardage total, and I love college football. I loved watching Christian McCaffrey. Many of the yards that Christian McCaffrey put up were from returning kicks where you're basically going to get, what, 25 or 30 every time you return a kick. And obviously he returned a lot for many more yards than that. And also returning punts. That's a credit to Christian McCaffrey that he was able to do all of those things. But Barry Sanders uh, lining up behind center went for nearly 260 a game. His 1988 season, as good as Christian McCaffrey has been, was nowhere near, uh, McCaffrey wasn't anywhere near what Barry Sanders did. I think he also broke his all-purpose yards, passing and rushing. My my main point is, Clay, that I think you're a really good example of why a West Coast football player will never, ever win the Heisman. Well, first of all, Marcus Mariota won the Heisman. Matt Leiner won the Heisman. Reggie Bush won the Heisman. Those are just three right off the top of, uh, of of my list. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, look, you can make an argument Christian McCaffrey's a great player, and he is, but what has he done in the NFL? As, as I say, I'm not quibbling about the NFL records, but you made a, a point of, of, of Barry Sanders breaking lots of collegiate, holding lots of collegiate records, and I think Christian McCaffrey – holds almost all the ones that, that Barry Sanders has. That's my main point, Clay. I appreciate the call. All due respect, I think if you're arguing that Christian McCaffrey is better than Barry Sanders, you are insane. Clay, this just in, they're telling us that uh, Reggie Bush did not win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, yeah. Reggie Bush <laughs> won the Heisman Trophy in my mind. The fact that his family got a nice beach house, more power to him, right? Uh, and am I right? Those are the three in the last like yeah. twenty five years. Carson Palmer. By the also way, that, won it. It, how ridiculous is that to you know erase that from the record books and pretend like it didn't happen? It's, it's indefensible. I mean, uh, the fact that he had the fact that OJ still has his Heisman Trophy, and uh, and and that Reggie Bush does not. One USC running back who committed double murder still has his Heisman Trophy. The other one who got his family got a nicer beach house. I think that's crazy. I also think it's crazy that nobody got the Heisman Trophy that year. I watched college football. Vince Young deserves the Heisman Trophy. If we're going to take it away from Reggie Bush, then we should give it to Vince Young. I hate when we take one of these titles away. I think it's absurd, first of all, because there's nothing that the beach house did to take away how amazing Reggie Bush was on the field that year. Uh, But also I hate when we just have an absence, right? There's just like no portrait there. Like as if that season didn't happen, it's so stupid to take that, uh, to take that trophy away. I hope at some point in the future, they revise that decision and just give him back the Heisman trophy. It's so dumb that they ever took it away. But look, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a great player. His data and statistics don't in any way compare to uh, what Barry Sanders did. Now, I do agree with the caller on this. If instead of going to Stanford, if Christian McCaffrey had gone to Alabama or Ohio State or somewhere in the Eastern time zone, West Coast, and I get it. I spent a lot of time on the West Coast. I was out there for a substantial amount of time doing TV with Fox. I loved being in LA. I think it's a great place. I love California. I like the West Coast in general. There's not a West Coast bias. There's a my kids get up at 6 a.m. on the East Coast reality, okay? And a lot of these late-night games that take place on the West Coast, you don't have the ability, if you're on the East Coast, to stay up as late and watch them all. So Stanford is not a major power. They don't have a, a, a huge fan base. 
But I, I've said that before on my show. Can you imagine if Christian McCaffrey had gone to LSU, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, a big-time power on the East Coast, and everybody had gotten to watch every single one of his games, he would be a legend on the scale of a Tebow or a Johnny Manziel that, frankly, he isn't. Maybe a Saquon Barkley at Penn State, where everybody feels like they know him already. But, to be fair, Christian McCaffrey hasn't done that much in the NFL yet. Barry Sanders, you have to watch him in the NFL as well as in college. Not so much so far with Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it's going to happen for him. That Carolina Panther offense looks like it's going to be a little bit more explosive this year. Maybe they'll be able to use him uh, as frequently. Who knows? Let's go to uh, Lynn in Washington. What's up, Lynn? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, just uh, living the uh, the dream. What you got for me? Barry Sanders. The best thing about him as a pro, most yards lost on rushing attempts, okay? But yep. he still finished with a 5.0. Yeah. It was incredible. There, there were times when you're watching the game going, oh, he's 10 yards back. This guy whipped. This guy whipped. It's like, oh, they better get him. They better get him. And three and four would whiff. And then all yeah. of a sudden, he's gone. I wish we had, if I could go back in time and make Barry Sanders be born in like, uh, I don't know, 1990. Uh, as opposed to when he was, 68, like 20 years later, if we could have had Barry Sanders be born in 1988 instead of 1968, I feel like his legend would be on an entirely different level because Barry Sanders was made for the social media era. Sort of like Pistol Pete. If you could go back in time for guys who were a lot older than me and grew up watching Pistol Pete Maravich, his game was made for the modern era. They, the, the highlights, the 10-second the, the sizzle reels, all these things that would sh- share so well on social media, they were before their time, and they weren't able to be shared what they did. Uh, I, I feel like Barry Sanders maybe is the number one athlete in football that I think of who I would love to have seen in a social media era, and probably Pistol Pete Maravich for basketball is the top of that list for me as well, just based on what I know, not having watched them or been alive uh, for, for Pistol Pete at the peak of his abilities. William uh, in, uh, let's see, who do we go to? Joe in uh, North Carolina. What's up, Joe? What's going on? All right. My name I'd add to the list is uh, Michael Vick. He yeah. was electric in college, like really fun to watch in the NFL. My first Madden game I had, he was on the cover. Dude was like a cheat code. Ridiculous! Yeah. I uh, I put him on there, and um, yeah. a couple names. If you ever decided to expand to the top twenty-five, um, Sean White for snowboarding. I don't really think anybody would have watched that if it wasn't for him. And along those lines, too, speed skater. Who would ever watch that if it wasn't for that Apollo Ono dude? Yeah, those are not those are not bad suggestions. Um, I think Earnhardt is probably one, and uh, and, and I think Vic is a uh, is a strong argument. Both those guys as uh, as you know honorable mentions, or if I decide to expand to uh, to twenty five at some point. All right, we're gonna go uh, be joined by Dan Wetzel. I'll ask him some of these questions. We'll talk about Tiger. We will discuss uh, everything um, uh, having to go here. Paul Pabst has texted me. He says uh, he's firmly on board. He's written about it, talked about it, the fact that it's absurd that Reggie Bush ever lost his Heisman Trophy. Um, 
It's so stupid. I mean, I, I, I think in some respects, if you listen to this show regularly, one of the things that I have basically stopped talking about is the idea of improper benefits or a guy getting paid to go to a school in college or his family getting something. And that's because I think the phrase improper benefits is total BS. It's capitalism. If you have talent, the goal of America, the goal of America across the board, the basic basic purpose of capitalism is to sell your talent for as much money as you possibly can. So I, as a capitalist, I am fundamentally bothered by people being like, oh, well, this guy should have been going to college completely for free, and instead his family got a nicer apartment. Get out of here. All right? That goal of capitalism is to get as much compensation for your talents as you possibly can. This idea that Reggie Bush isn't the Heisman Trophy winner or that he ever had to give up the Heisman Trophy is one of the most ridiculous, immoral, stupid things that has happened in the last 15 years of college athletics. I am Clay Travis. Uh, this is Outgate the Coverage. Up next is going to be Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National Columnist. Appreciate all the feedback, all the interaction. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing. With terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice, True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in Dan Wetzel now. I'm confident he's going to be good. Dan, um, we were just running through at the first hour of the show the best needle movers in sports. And you're around my age, so this was basically the 1980s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, so I'll give you like my top five. And then I'm curious if there's other guys that you remember as a sports fan where you were like, oh, I got to see this guy. Like, I'm willing to drop whatever I'm doing to put on my television to watch. My top five in order, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Mike Tyson, Michael Phelps, and then I tied uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady together because I kind of see them as inextricably intertwined when it comes to that era of the NFL. Are there guys that for you, uh, you jump out and you're like, oh, I had to watch this guy when he was playing. Like he's the guy who my buddy texts me or even before the text uh, would, would exist, somebody would call you on the telephone, even old school phone, and you'd be like, oh, I can't miss this. Are there any athletes that you remember on your particular list? Man, those are good. Um, so it's got, I, I guess, so it's any point of that time. I mean, so I really like um, Tyson. To me, is the is the is the one who like just captured Americans by storm. Um, and, and there's a lot of people out there who will argue Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, Lennox yeah. Lewis, all those guys. None of them hold a candle to Mike Tyson. Now Tyson was unbelievable, and it was like the fights were 45 seconds. They were showing yes. it uh, the other day on ESPN. Uh, two or something. I was I was watching. They just showed like basically an hour special of all his early fights, and I I can still remember some. They'd be in these like, you know, they'd be in like Poughkeepsie, New York, like yes. the, the Knights of Columbus Hall, and and, and he come out and just and just maul somebody in forty three seconds, and that would be the end of that. And uh, you couldn't miss it. You just literally couldn't miss it. Um, 
no question. Phelps, I thought is that's a great call. Uh, I've I was always covering the Olympics, but you know I'd hear these reports like sports bars. Um, you know, everybody going silent and going crazy in sports bars around the country for a swim. swim, swim I remember race. Phelps was a great one. That was one of my – some of my callers and listeners were suggesting him. I remember I was at a wedding in 2008 uh, during Beijing. One of my good buddies was getting married, and it was uh, – Phelps was about – I don't even remember what race it was for Phelps. But everybody left the reception and went into this bar down the hall in the hotel – that had on Michael Phelps to watch him swim. And I remember thinking, even back in 2008, like, you know Michael Phelps has got a huge grip on the American population when everybody leaves an open bar and a wedding and a band to go down the hall to stand in a crowded bar and just watch a swimmer. Like, yeah. and, and his sport is not even popular. Like, at least boxing is really popular. You think about Tyson. Phelps made something that most people don't care about at all, swimming, into must-see so you can talk about swimming, uh, which is why I think he's got to be up there. And he's done it in 2008 now, 2012, 2016. I hope he comes back for 2020 and we get a swan song of some form or fashion. That would be awesome. I, the only the other one on that would be Usain Bolt. Uh, yeah, I've got him on the list. I've got Usain Bolt at uh, 12 on my list. Yeah, similar fashion. Um, I covered Usain Bolt. Again, I wasn't watching the Olympics, but like I was – in Rio, he had a first heat of the 100 um, at, like, 10 in the morning. And there were, however big the, the stadium was, yeah, like 60,000, absolutely packed an hour before. Yeah, because that's pretty Usain cool. Usain Bolt was going to run. Usain Bolt in the first heat is not running. He's jogging. And, <laughs> and he comes out and just jogs and can beat everybody. But there were all of these people there um, just to watch him on the track. Not even really – it's like it, – it, and, you, you know, I think Tiger's where you're bringing this up. You go to a professional uh, golf uh, tournament and Tiger is on the practice group. Tiger is, Tiger is hitting balls, uh, you know, out of a bunker to practice. And there's, you know, cameras held, you know, everyone's holding their cell phone. Like, yes, there's, there's 500 people around to watch the guy just sit there and swing, hit a bucket of balls. He's not even doing anything. That is when you hit some level of just insanity. And so it's like, oh, my God, you know, Usain Bolt's going to sort of half try. I got to be there. And yeah. uh, I, I kind of felt Phelps was the ultimate or um, Bolt was the ultimate globally because, um uh, you. This is a kind of funny story, but I was going to cover one of his races, and this was in Rio again. And I met this guy in the security line who was a, a sports writer from uh, Pakistan, and so he. I, I don't know the biggest city in Pakistan, but he worked in that that city, and he was a, worked at the newspaper. And they are not really good at the Olympics at all. They don't have a ton of sports. They're more into cricket and things like that. And he said, my, uh, Usain Bolt's the biggest thing in, in Pakistan because he's just basically like it's primal, right? The whole yeah. country, the whole world. Everybody's done it. Let's race to the tree. Let's, let's race to here. And here's this guy who's the best that anyone's ever seen. So I actually think globally you got to – I might go with that because – 
you know, golf and these other sports. But American, yeah. Um, you know, I, I put I, I put Serena Williams on that list. I don't know if I put her in the top five anymore. Yeah, I've got Serena at 15 on my list. 15. She certainly yeah. climbed that, that bit where it's like, hey, Serena's going for another Grand Slam. And, and these last, uh, the last one at Wimbledon was really big. Obviously, she comes back from from the uh, the pregnancy, and, and I think if she gets into another one, and if can she tie, uh, you know, Margaret Court's old twenty four major Grand Slams and and things like that. But I, I think you got a pretty good list there. Uh, I'm certainly a, a combat sports fan. John Jones and and uh, a UFC fan, and, and Anderson Silva were big, but those are much smaller segments of uh, of people watching than. Uh, I don't think anybody ever got that excited about a Mayweather fight. They bought him, but um, I, you know, I don't know anyone who was like, "God, I got to watch Floyd Mayweather duck punches." I mean, he, the yeah. guy was brilliant, but it was because he couldn't get hit. You want to, you know, it was like I, I won't get hit for twelve rounds, and I'll hit the other guy enough to win the win the decision. He was never that exciting of a fighter. Um, the way. Uh, Anderson Silver or John Jones were to see what would happen, but I, I think you got Bolt too low. That'd be my only my only thing. Um, and I like the I like the Manning Pate and uh, Brady kind of together. We're talking to Dan Wetzel. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist. You wrote a great column, and we talked about this a little bit. Um, the Big Ten right now in the Big Ten East. Uh, if you run through the seven schools there, Michigan is the only school that hasn't had. Not just like a, a, a controversy, but a major, potentially almost criminal-related investigation into their athletics program. You got Maryland with DJ Durkin, who is on uh, leave of absence right now. Got Ohio State with Urban Meyer. Uh, the Urban Meyer thing, maybe not that serious, which you have to say, uh, compared to uh, compared to some of the Ohio State wrestling-related charges that are right. going on. Michigan State, you've covered the Larry Nasser situation. You live in Michigan, so you're familiar with, with that story better than most. You covered the Penn State story aggressively, everything surrounding Larry Sandusky. Rutgers has had a series of different scandals relating to their athletic department, and Indiana just fired Kevin Wilson uh, for, uh, for inappropriate treatment of players. That was the allegation anyway. Is this a Big Ten-related issue, or is it just a coincidence how do you kind of tally up all of these different awful to bad situations that have happened recently in that conference? I, you know, it, it's the mystery, and we I've talked about this with a lot of people. I, I mean, I think it's just just because you you play in an athletic conference together, there just really isn't any shared. I mean, it's just a scheduling deal, right? Like, there's no there's no particular difference between the NFC, you know, the NFC south and the AFC north I mean they're all in it you know so you're sort of there and I understand it's kind of midwest or something like that for the most part but I just think it's a really bad stretch and I think a lot of the a lot of things have happened in the Big Ten now I think there's a couple Ohio State wrestling Larry Nasser um, in particular that were very uh, those are just criminal Larry Nasser is just a criminal you know, uh, just a pedophile was able to really exploit his position. He didn't. He wasn't really part of the Michigan State Athletic Department. He, he was really just a doctor on the campus. But obviously, this is a terrible stretch for this conference. And I don't know what lessons there are for everybody else. So I certainly think any of this stuff could happen elsewhere. 
I kind of lean on this one bit that I just think these football programs have gotten so over the top in their self-importance. And I understand that they've always been self-important, but it feels like there just isn't the checks and balances or the oversight or just the openness of an organization at, at some of these colleges that there would be in, you know, in other, in other, uh, there, maybe there was in the past. And, and I think that's across the board. I think there's this idea that the coach is always right. And let's build this, you know, 400 million, you know, $250 million football facility and nobody can get in without a fingerprint. And, uh, you know, these, we keep, we basically keep the players away from the students. Uh, you know, you can eat your meals here. You can play mini golf here. Everything is like football, football, football. And, and, and I'm not, you know, practices are closed. Uh, what was it? Was it Georgia? I think it was Georgia that like, remember they changed their freedom of information act. So yes. That, like, you know, we didn't know where the assistant coaches might be recruiting, like some of this stuff is just so over the top that I think it builds, it can build, let me put it that way, it can build a culture or a, a mindset that, you know, like this is, we're fighting a war here. And, you know, the first, what's the first casualty of war? The truth. And, you know, it just, it, these things are, these things are big. I mean, these scandals are big. We have a you know players dying, and I know some of them aren't new, but this isn't you know Michigan players are under investigation for selling their shoes. Like okay, I don't care that yeah. that and they can have that rule, but I just feel like this just we've gotten to this point where these everything's untouchable or unknowable or un everything, and 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 maybe we're just have, have lost our marbles on that, and and I think it leads to some of it, but. I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. I, it's interesting. I was thinking a lot about this uh, of late. I read your column, and the only thesis I could come up with for I, I think it's fair to say that the SEC and the Big Ten are in the college sports universe by far the two biggest brands, right? right. And they mirror each other. They're both middle parts of the country, the Midwest by and large, and the uh, and the South. So. And I was trying to think, why has the Big Ten, which had this reputation for being such an academic powerhouse and having, let's be honest, what Jim Delaney sold for so long was the idea that the Big Ten got the balance right, you know, that they were academic elite, but they were also athletically elite. And to have it happen in the Big Ten, one thing I was wondering, I was thinking about, like, for instance, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and how those two schools have been going back and forth at each other so aggressively, and it's been so ugly and public. And Hugh Freeze got fired because they had a lawsuit, and they got the the, the text messages and the phone call records and everything else. And I wonder on some level whether the hyper-competitive rivalries in the South have kept big, huge, ugly stories from happening, not because they're morally better, but just because – if something really, really awful is happening at Alabama, people at Auburn find out about it and they publicize it and they use it against that school, right? I mean, in some way yep. that the negativity of the rivalries and the t- intensity of the rivalries has kept really awful things from happening. Now, maybe it's just coincidence and and maybe that is it. But I wonder whether, you know, like everybody is so obsessed 365 days a year with Alabama-Auburn 
that every possible little pinprick of potential scandal gets poured over and examined. And moreover, you've got media. Uh, Mississippi's a great example where you basically have people doing investigations who are in favor or opposed to respective schools. And so as a result, you might be buying players, but I'm with you. I just really don't care about improper benefits. I said that in the in the earlier in this part of the show. We were talking about electric players, and somebody brought up Reggie Bush and how stupid it was that his Heisman Trophy got taken away because his family had a nicer beach house while he was playing at USC, like how dumb that was. Right. Is there any possibility there that that could be maybe one reason? Or, again, your answer could just be it's just random and it just has happened to happen all these places. I mean, I think it's some of that. Let's um, put it this way. We hear yesterday, you know, Zach Smith was also arrested for um, a DUI. DUI. And nobody knew about it. Hadn't made the media. I don't, you know, I don't know that an assistant coach in a suburb of the town, it's not like he got arrested for a DUI in, in Montana on vacation in the summer. Right. And no one was checking, you know, and found Zach Smith. I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> there's a lot of Zach Smiths, but... In Dublin, Ohio, which is his hometown, a right, you know, very uh, nice suburb right next to Columbus, that doesn't come out, you know, interesting. Does, does nobody, but I don't know that it isn't this, I think it's random, but I think it, we've gotten to this point where there's this sort of, I don't know, I, I, it just feels like if you're mistreating the players the way you, you have multiple allegations here, you have the Maryland case, like this is, you know, young man passes away. You have the Indiana case with the abuse. You have uh, Illinois had had uh, you know they eventually fired their head coach a couple years back because uh, Beckman because the, the school said he was discouraging um, uh, discouraging players to get medical treatment. Right, like you know, how, did it did it take too long for that? Was there a, is there a mindset with these coaches that are that are just too far? Where it's like we're we're trying to build the culture to win, and we have to do everything. I mean, some of this stuff's just ridiculous, and it goes uh, kind of part of it. It just goes to the basic um, uncomfortable construct of college athletics. You would never invent this thing. Now, I love it, but you would never invent it. You have these players who who are not professional athletes, but are engaged in a professional activity and a dangerous one, and they, you know, look, they get tuition room board. This isn't about, you know, pay. This argument isn't about paying, but they don't have much power. They they don't have agents. They don't have a union like the NFL does. Um, the amount of the amount of practices and the kind of practices you can do in college football is much tougher than you can do in the NFL. You can't just line guys up and do Oklahoma drills every single day in the NFL. You don't have full pads and stuff like that in the spring. These guys get time off and get more things because they're able to collectively bargain and say, hey, these are the rules that we need. Where in college football, you basically got to shut up because they'll just replace you in a second. No player has any power to really stand up. And so the only ones who who do are disgruntled, quote-unquote, are getting thrown off the program. Because if you're really good, you're trying to shut up and get to the league. And if And if and if you're not that good, you're trying to just keep your scholarship. So, it, And it used to be that way in high school. It still can be in a lot of high school football where the high school coach has all the power. I'm going to decide your, your thing. And if you go to other ways around the world that they train athletes, um, and even in other sports, you have a club system where you're able to move around. 
you know, if you're you're a soccer kid and or you're you're able to stand up, you basically have some kind of professional rights because you're part of a professional organization, and perhaps they don't treat you that same way. There's something wrong when what I, I don't think anybody gets into college athletics and says I want to abuse the players. I, you know, I want to I want to run guys so far they die. I'm sure these are tragic things for these guys. They're good people, but somewhere along the line, it just becomes too important where you actually think. I got to make this offensive lineman run five 110 yard sprints, even though he needs his buddies to hold him up. And nobody on that field says, Hey, stop. And he gets to 106 degree body temperature and goes into a coma for two weeks and dies. Like something is wrong when otherwise good people are standing around watching this happen because they think Maryland football matters so much, or even that this drill will help us beat somebody that we got to get one more win that's where i think something's wrong with college athletics and i think it's just a lack of oversight or people even just if everybody works inside the same building they drive into the, the super secret facility and spend 18 hours a day there it, it can make you think it does matter and you can make you think it is important and you know, I don't know that that was the case in the past with college football when it was really more part of college. I hate these facilities they built because they're really about segregating the players away from the student body and keep the world away from the football facility. I just don't think it's a healthy environment, and I, I can't. I'm not saying it's A to B here, but I do think it plays a part in it. Good stuff as always, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist, Eddie Garcia. What you got for me? McClay, let's give you a Geico scoreboard. The A's edging the Mariners 7-6. Oakland moves two and a half games up on Seattle for the final wildcard spot in the American League. Oakland's also now just two back of Houston for the AL West lead. Braves sweep a doubleheader from the Marlins by scores of 9-1 and 6-1. Atlanta now has a full game lead on Idol Philadelphia for the top spot in the NL East. Diamondbacks lose to the Rangers 5-3, but the Dodgers follow the Giants 5-2. So Arizona still has that one game lead atop the NL West on LA. And also now on Colorado with the Rockies having the night off. They picked up a half half game to move one game back. News from the NFL where the Chicago Bears agree to terms with first-round pick linebacker Roquan Smith ending his holdout. He had been the last remaining unsigned rookie in New York Giants. Top pick running back Saquon Barkley suffered a mild left hamstring strain in practice. It's not expected to be serious. Great news. There's a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Animal Thunderdome next. Outkick the coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Cue music, boys. It's time. We got the Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. I feel like the hippo is underrated on this segment because hippos kill 500 people a year, they say, in Africa right now. And this was a tough break. A tourist from Taiwan 
was taking pictures at a lake in Kenya on Sunday, and he was attacked and killed by a hippo just hours before a local fisherman was also mauled to death in the same area by another hippo. The uprising is real. Mm-hmm. Chang Ming Chuang and his friend Wu Pang Ti were at the edge of Lake Nevesha in Kenya's Rift Valley when a witness said they got too close to a hippo and were attacked. Uh, Chang was pronounced dead. I don't know how this happens. His friend was treated for minor bruising. I'm just going to toss this out there. If your buddy is dead and you got minor bruising, you didn't do much to try to save your buddy. Uh, they, they are not sure what led to the attack. Uh, but then later, just a little bit further down the same lake, a hippo, another different hippo, also killed someone. Don't mess with the hippos, people. They are deadly. What you got for me, Danny G? All right, You agree Cliff. with me? Yeah, if you oh, get minor real. bruising... Yeah. and your buddy dies, you probably didn't do very much to save his life. Yeah, you weren't a good wingman when he was alive, probably, either. That, yeah, no doubt. That's horrible. Uh, closer to home, Boulder, Colorado, a mountain lion became trapped inside a Colorado home, killed the family's house cat before police and wildlife officers were able to chase it out of the home. Boulder police say that the homeowner came back to the house last Thursday night. They found the mountain lion inside. It appears that the mountain lion pushed through a screen and he couldn't get back out of the home once he was in. The big cat roamed throughout two levels of this house for more than an hour before officers used non-lethal rounds to scare it out the front door and away from the neighborhood which is uh, just southwest of downtown Boulder. The Boulder Police Department tweeted a photo of the mountain lion inside next to the couch, along with a reminder to residents to keep ground-level doors and windows closed and locked. So imagine your cat, Fifi Clay, and you come home and your cat's shredded to 100 pieces by a mountain lion. Well, the cat's rough. You know, the other thing that would happen there is like somebody would have like a little poodle, and the poodle would think, oh, this is my house to protect thinking oh the mountain lion's not going to go mountain lion on me because i you know they don't know probably what one of those things is but uh yeah that's probably tough to explain to the kids that the uh, the yeah. kitty cat got killed by the much bigger kitty cat and imagine the last few seconds of that poor cat's life on the run from a mountain lion that can you imagine that would be it's a, a tough break it's a tough yeah. break for a house cat to go that way <sighs> yeah house cat probably <laughs> thinks I'm, I'm set here i'm gonna have a 20-year life nothing really that dangerous gonna kill some mice hang out huh. next thing you know the house cat comes face to face with the mountain lion and that expectation goes out the window in a hurry I just I can't get over my guy Wang Tu or whatever his name was. Yeah, we want to hear you but, say the names again. Uh, I, I got I think I might have de- <laughs> just deleted that. Uh, but I got to be honest with you. If you're, it said like if your buddy gets killed by a hippo, and you just have some bruising, what does that mean? You're not even remotely there nearby while the hippo just goes to town and kills your buddy. This is like we had that issue where the guy got killed by the mountain lion, right? And then the guy left him behind. To me, if you're on a uh, dangerous safari like this, first of all, do you think they were taking selfies? Because the number of people getting killed taking selfies these days is out of control. I bet they were trying to get the hippo in the background of their selfie, and the hippo was just like, I don't want to take a picture today, and I'm going to kill you. And uh, this is just a lesson. Animals are wild. That's why wild animals, why the adjective is in front of the animal. 
don't try to get too close to them. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm terrified to go on these safaris because everybody ends up dying. I'm Clay Travis. Final hour of the show up next. We'll talk to Petros Papadakis. This is Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. For those of you waking up on the West Coast, the alarm just went off at 5 a.m. Thanks for spending your morning with us here at Outkick. I want to run you through really quickly. We spent a lot of time on this. I'd encourage you to go download the podcast in hour one. Uh, Tiger Woods obviously nearly won. Brooks Kapka won. Congratulations to Brooks Kapka getting his third major. Tiger Woods nearly won the PGA. And as a result, the ratings increased, maybe perfect for Tiger Woods, by 69% uh, over last year. And they hit a nine-year high for the PGA Championship, which led me to wonder uh, and talk about yesterday in hour three, we talked about this a decent degree, what are the top needle movers in the world of sports for the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, and the 2010s? I'm 39. A lot of you out there younger, a lot of you out there older as you start off your day. And I I think that's really kind of the cable era, for lack of another way of putting it. Um, And so in the cable era, sports proliferated. You had the ability to watch a lot of different events as opposed to only having, let's say, one game on in the 60s and the 70s, so everybody has to watch the same game. Now, a lot of you get the opportunity to watch a variety of different games, a variety of different athletes. Tiger is, for golf, unquestionably the biggest difference maker when it comes to ratings. Uh, There are other guys and girls out there, and so this was my top 20, my effort to create an all-time needle mover list. From 20 in reverse, uh, Roger Federer, number 20. Kobe Bryant, 19. Barry Sanders, 18. Barry Bonds, 17. Bo Jackson, 16. Serena Williams, 15. Wayne Gretzky, 14. Johnny Manziel, 13. Usain Bolt, 12. Ronda Rousey, 11. Brett Favre, 10. LeBron James, 9. Magic and Larry Bird as a combo at 8. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa during the great home run derby, even though we later found out it was steroids influence, tied at seven. Tim Tebow at six. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, the two faces, I believe, of the NFL's past generation, basically the last 20 years of NFL football, defined by Tom uh, Brady and Peyton Manning. Michael Phelps at four. Really good suggestion from you guys yesterday when we started talking about this. Mike Tyson at three, Tiger Woods at two, and Michael Jordan at one. Those, to me, are the 20 greatest needle movers since 1980. Uh, If you run through that list, I think a lot of you will be reacting to that. Other nominees that I think make sense, and you can always reach out to me. At Clay Travis, I try to keep up with my mentions, run through, scan through them pretty quickly uh, on a regular basis. I think you can argue that I should have Dell Earnhardt in here, potentially Michael Vick, Deion Sanders, all three of those really good nominees um, as we continue. Maybe a Carl Lewis back in the day for what he was able to do at the 84 and 88 Olympics. 
all of that. We talked about it. Uh, I'll bring in the crew. We're going to talk, by the way, to Petros Papadakis, AM 570 uh, Sports in LA, as we do every single Tuesday morning. Uh, but we talked a lot about this, Danny G. Any further thoughts on this? I mean, this is a pretty awesome list, I think. We did a pretty good job. Uh, I brought in a lot of different uh, different thoughts. You can maybe quibble with the order in which people are on this list. Yeah. But I think in general, these are 20 of the guys and girls who would make people come off their uh, come off their couch, go grab their remote, change the station, pay attention to what they're doing if you got the opportunity to do so. Yeah, and as we said earlier in the show, it's nice that you included Wayne Gretzky, of course, a statue of him in front of Staples Center here in Los Angeles. We'd like you to move Bo Jackson up. I yeah, th- I think there's an argument that Bo Jackson should be higher. And yes. this is one of those guys like, and I grew up as a huge Bo Jackson fan. I would love to see Bo Jackson play now because oh, I man. feel like the excitement level that he would provoke as both a baseball and a football player would be different level. Some of these guys became iconic because you didn't even see them that much. Clay, and we as don't a little that- kid, I-, I-, I was at that Cincinnati Bengals playoff game as when he got his hip yes. like, yanked out of socket. As a, as a little kid wearing a Bo Jackson jersey, he was my him and Marcus Allen were my two favorite players as a little kid here in Los Angeles. And talk about taking the wind out of the sail. You could hear a collective groan from the Coliseum when that happened. The the other thing that stinks, Clay, think about it now and the advances that medicine and yeah. that we've made with surgeries and everything else. That injury, Bo Jackson would have been out for a year and could have been back and back to being himself. Back then, it ruined him. Uh, there was yeah, no, no way it, of coming back. He he was able to mess around with baseball a little bit once he healed uh, and had the hip replacement, but there was no way he could play football. Nowadays, you know, but, he he may, might have been able to play a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Didn't he like rip like an artery or I don't know what it was? Where well, they I guess they dealt with the injury in. Uh, they had problems dealing with it. Yeah, I think that's bleeding. probably. Can you think of in the last thirty years? Let's say. So basically going all the way back to, let's say 40 years even, going all the way back to 1980. Can you think of a more devastating injury that we basically, and and I know like, look, in the 60s and the 70s, you can name a lot because modern medical technology was nowhere near what it is now. But can you think of a more devastating injury to sports fandom in general? Because you contemplate what Bo Jackson would have been able to do. I mean, look, the guy would have played baseball forever right I mean that he would have been I think a hall of fame caliber baseball player for sure even after his football career ended and he just went back to playing baseball full-time can you guys think of a more devastating injury I mean just 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 the ones that look more gruesome because what surprised everybody about that Bo Jackson injury was that it didn't look that bad when it happened he just was kind of dragged down from behind so even being there in the crowd watching it it looked like, yeah, he's hurt, but it didn't look like a career-ending type injury. I can't even think of an injury that has stripped away the joy and excitement from sports fans anywhere near that level. There may be one out there that somebody can think of. I tend to think of that Bo Jackson injury of, for my life as a sports fan, the worst injury. Now, look, there have been guys who uh, who have died young, right, who have been in accidents that are much more severe than just getting injured on a field of play. But in terms of in a game, an injury that takes place, 
I can't think of one happening to a better, more iconic player than what happened to Bo Jackson. Because what was he, like 28 or 29 when that happened? I mean, he was still... Look up how old Bo Jackson was when that injury happened because I think he was still pretty young. You know, I mean, he was not that old of a guy to have that injury happen to him. Um, I want to say that happened in like 89, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. I think it was a 1980s era injury, maybe 90. Um, And he would have still had so many years of incredible play to come. And instead, that just like comes in and totally zaps him out of being a big time playmaker back yeah, in the that happened how old was he? it was January thirteenth, nineteen ninety one. He was twenty eight. Twenty eight. I mean think about it. in baseball, twenty eight is nothing. I mean he would have easily played all the way up. Just very I, I think there's no doubt that Bo Jackson would have still been playing baseball, I bet yeah. in two thousand. I, I think that if he had not gotten injured there He's probably still playing in 2000. And so it's amazing to think about what his legacy would be. Now, he's one of the great, unbelievable athletes of our, of our lives, if you're around my age or even younger. But to think about what he could have been. Yeah. And I was saying earlier, like some of these guys early on the list, in the early 80s, some of these guys became legends and you didn't even see them that much. Nowadays, you see every athlete, everything that they do, every game that they're involved in. Mike Tyson is like a a tiger that you don't really see. Like you hear rumors about him, but he's like this guy in the underbrush in the jungle. Every now and then he just pops up and kills somebody and then he disappears again. There was a legend and a mystery associated with Mike Tyson that I don't think we've seen associated with an athlete in a very long time now because we know so much because we can see everything about them. Mike Tyson's on HBO, still a relatively new cable network, late night fights, and you kind of see these highlights. And if you see highlights, remember, there's no YouTube. Like, it's like a flicker. I mean, he was a legend before you even saw him. The video game, everything about Tyson, there was a mystery to him. I don't know that we still have those enigmas, that we still have those mysteries today in the world of sports because every athlete is so dissected and we see everything. You know, like imagine Conor McGregor, for instance, who's nothing like Mike Tyson but is is a draw. Every little thing that Conor McGregor does, we see. When he has that moment in the tunnel and he throws the, the thing into the bus and, and he gets charged with a crime and everything else, though there's a video of that. Mike Tyson got in a street fight with another heavyweight fighter in New York City. I think it was like in a lingerie store. Can you imagine what that video would be like? Because somebody would have been in that lingerie store if Mike Tyson were around now. I think it was Trevor Burbick or somebody like that. They just ran into each other in a lingerie store. I think I'm correct about that in the 1980s. And they just got in a full-on fist fight in the lingerie store. TMZ would have that video up immediately. We would all see it. But you just hear this crazy legend. You're like, Mike Tyson, this this madman, he's just hanging out in New York was it, City. Was it with Mitch Green? Maybe Mitch Green. Okay. Was, is that what they're saying? Was it in a lingerie I, store? I just I Googled like? it really quick, and it says Mike Tyson, Mitch Green street fight. It, but a street fight. Imagine the heavyweight champion of the world getting in a legitimate bare-knuckle brawl street fight. And I think it was like at a lingerie store in, in somewhere in New York City. 
with another heavyweight fighter. Like, how in the world did that happen? That story would be everywhere. <laughs> we would do three hours on the heavyweight champion of the world getting in a bare-knuckle brawl fist fight outside of a lingerie store, and that's just kind of this story that's just floating out there about Mike Tyson. Yeah, it says it was before dawn outside an all-night clothing store in all 1988. <laughs> 1988 bare-knuckle brawl with Mike Tyson, who at that time was one of the most famous athletes in the world, and he's just out all hours, and I think they were like, I feel like there was women involved, and there was a lingerie store aspect of it. Anyway, the story is just legendary. Imagine if that happened these days. It's just incredible to think about. We'll talk with Petros Papadakis about this and all of that and more. Uh, He joins us every single Tuesday. He'll be on with us next. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. And you are listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. That's Petros Papadakis' walk-up music, Taylor Swift. But is he actually working this week? Does anybody know? Well, the Petros number, a lot of you have it um, out there, the Textoso line. You can blow him up. Usually he's ready to roll on Tuesday mornings. I hope he's okay. I hope the old P is okay. Maybe he's on vacation. I don't know. This is a very popular week for vacation before football really gets going. So we will see whether Petros Papadakis is out there responding to the bat signal. I texted him the phone number. He should be good to go. In the meantime, there are a couple of other stories that we haven't hit on very much that I will uh, dive into here. Uh Urban Meyer and Ohio State. The investigation is ongoing. Tomorrow we will have Brett McMurphy on again. Brett McMurphy is the reporter who initially broke the story about uh, Zach Smith, the wide receiver coach at Ohio State, and his arrest for domestic violence in 2009, as well as his investigation in 2015 for domestic violence. This is crazy. In 2013, he was also arrested for a DUI. So at this point in time, I don't know what's going on with the decision-making at Ohio State, but you had a situation. I mean, just kind of run through this with me, where in 2009, you have a guy arrested for domestic violence. In 2013, he gets arrested for DUI. In 2015, his wife texts your wife pictures of him allegedly beating her up and you keep him employed all the way into t- until 2018 when all of these pieces of evidence go public. It's a really strange decision-making by Urban Meyer. I don't understand it at all. And this is the latest, as we talked with Dan Wetzel in hour two, of the messes that have surrounded the Big Ten. For a long time, the Big Ten sold itself as a conference that did not have the same issues that the SEC had. And almost all the issues the SEC had were with basically paying players. And I've told you before on this show, I'm over caring about guys getting paid, over caring about cars and apartments and everything else. Everybody's making a lot of money off of college athletics. I don't have a problem with a guy getting a little bit more money for his talents. And the example I always use here is the concept of improper benefits, I think, has taken root with college basketball and football fans and I think it makes no sense you have to go back and examine this improper benefits is a phrase that I don't think should exist because what it basically is is pay for your talents which is another way of saying capitalism 
everybody's goal in capitalism is to make as much money as you possibly can, regardless of uh, of of anything else, right? As long as you're behaving in a legal fashion. And so I don't care at all about that. And the analogy I always use is, if you were a kid majoring in chemistry, and you had a chemistry professor who realized that you had a great talent, but you were a poor kid and you were on scholarship for chemistry or biology or any subject that you're in college for. And as a result, your scholarship restricts you to maybe you get meals and maybe you get room and board, but otherwise you have almost no money in your pocket to be able to do anything outside of go to class, get your books, and come back. If you had a chemistry professor who called you up and he said, hey, if you could come by and you could cut the grass and I've got some brush, if you could cut, uh, you know, work on it there, I've got some yard work that you could do. And if you came by your chemistry professor's house and you did all that yard work, and at the end of that yard work, he gave you 100 or 200 bucks, more than you deserved, but something you did work for him. And you got more money than you deserved. And he lets you do that once a month, let's say. And as a result, you ended up with hundreds of extra dollars, which allowed you to take out a girl to a movie. It allowed you to occasionally go to a fast food restaurant and get food outside of the school cafeteria. You might well name your kid, your firstborn, after that chemistry professor. And if you came back someday later and you had founded an incredibly successful company, you might endow a brand new chemistry department and give that guy's name on it for what he did for you. And everybody would stand up and they would clap. If that happens in college football or college basketball, it's called an improper benefit and the guy is not eligible to play football or basketball. How stupid is that? So that's my angle in general on the stupidity of of that angle. So I don't get that worked up. When we talk about scandals in college football and college basketball, I don't get that worked up on issues such as those. But when you look at the Big Ten East right now, Kevin Wilson fired at Indiana for mistreatment of players. Rutgers has had multiple coaches fired for serious mistreatment of players. Penn State, the whole Jerry Sandusky mess. Michigan State, Larry Nasser, and everything that surrounded that awfulness, which they're going to settle for $500 million. You've got Ohio State with the wrestling scandal going on right now and everything surrounding it, okay? You have also got, on top of the Ohio State scandal, everything about what Urban Meyer did and what Urban Meyer knew. And every program now is also looking at Maryland where DJ Durkin is on a leave of absence as well. The entire process is as ugly and sordid as we have ever seen in college athletics. And the Big Ten used to sell itself all the time on this idea that they represent everything that's good in college athletics. Instead, they have come out and they have made the argument that they, right now, are in a fundamentally uh, better place than anybody else. And, and I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's fair or foul to say 
there's some sort of connection between all of these major scandals. We're talking about ugly, ugly situations from Penn State to Ohio State to Michigan State to Maryland. We're talking about deaths. We're talking about criminal actions that are associated with the athletic departments. Maybe it's just a coincidence that all of these things arise at the Big Ten at the same time. Maybe it's something that is rotten in the Big Ten. I don't know the answer. Potentially, it's a coincidence. What do you think, Doug Gottlieb? Is it a coincidence or is it uh, or is it something that is more to the root of the Big Ten in general? Uh, I think I think most of these are coincidences. I think the Michigan State thing is scary. It's you know we all concern ourselves with somebody put your 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 daughter in the, the care of a doctor and you know he does things to which I mean the parents were in the room with some of this stuff. You know the Mar- the Maryland stuff. You know, I mean, I know you're going to have Petros on in a minute. You can ask him about crazy stuff that strength coaches do. Uh, this one feels it. It feels like like uh, whoever the trainer was, the athletic trainer was, didn't properly care for the kid or identify the problem. Um, and then the Ohio State thing is, you know, uh, I didn't know. You know, like, listen, if you don't report that you have a DUI to your boss, you should be fired immediately. So I, th- I think it's a rare set of coincidences. I just, I was driving, I was listening, and. I just wanted you to know that the analogy you gave to the chemistry professor, which sounds like a great tale, a relationship between a chemistry professor and a kid, is not a violation. Uh, it would be a, it would be a violation just, if if no, if, a, no, if an athlete no, came over and did no, like basically wouldn't. no no show work, right? You're not doing no, very much. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I cut I cut Eddie Sutton's grass. It wasn't a violation then. Not but, a violation you, now. but you did it. What if you had shown up and not cut the grass and just gotten a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, that'd be a violation. Yeah. So but what you, I'm but, saying but here's, is, here's the other here's the other part to it, which you're you're disingenuous in saying, and and this goes along to the, I, I personally like Jay Billis, but he used the well, you know, a music, um, you know, music major can go and play and earn money. Like, do, you know, the deal that the athletes get nowadays. Like, do you understand how well? First of all, they get into a school most of us couldn't get into. It's very hard to get into many of these schools that athletes couldn't get into. There's a value there. You get what's called cost of attendance. Somewhere in the neighborhood of five grand, look it up, look it down, five grand a year. That's, that's your spending money that you get. Uh, when you get to campus and there's nobody else there, you usually have a training table. And if the training table's not open, you get per diem, you get money to go and, to go and eat. Um, and you know, usually you don't actually use that money because you can go to the, you can go to the trainer's room, get some power bars, protein shake, whatever, and you're, you're good anyway. So, and then if you come from, you know, some sort of menial background, you can get a Pell Grant as well, which is in the neighborhood of $6,000. So, uh, in addition, this is not, it's not in lieu of, this is in addition to your scholarship check to which again, you like dorms don't exist anymore. Now it's apartments. Um, you can eat on campus to which you have food courts and you use a card that's already taken for. Like, I, you're, you're, you're using an analogy that one is actually legal. You can work up to $2,000, whatever. You can work for your coach. You can work for a professor. All they have to do is do it the right way, sign up. But the idea of, of giving a kid some side cash, some, some side hustle money, like, that's no different than any place of work you're not supposed to give somebody money on the side. Yeah, so, but do you think, you think if you had a great game at Oklahoma State, and you're walking out, and you guys just beat OU, right? Yes. And some yes. guy gives you two hundred dollars in cash in the in the famous handshake, right? Yeah. yeah. And somebody gets somebody gets a picture of that, or there's a video, and it's clear that that happened. 
Or yeah. let's say you are Todd Gurley and you decide to sell your your you sign your uh, bowl game jersey and yeah. you decide to sell it to a guy. Or even what we just saw with North Carolina, they give you some exclusive, like unique shoes, and you're like, "Well, these are my shoes, but I would like to sell them." You think By I way, should miss games for a, that? Somebody gives you a, somebody gives you a gift and you sell them. Come on, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think there's lots of people like, out like there somebody who... Gives, somebody, gives, somebody gives you a gift and you sell them. And you're in North Carolina, which is a borderline Ivy League school. It, you know, you couldn't get into it on your own. I couldn't have got into North Carolina on my own, although most of these kids couldn't. Okay? So you get into school, they give you all the best Jordan gear, you get exclusive shoes, and you're going to sell them. When you don't need the money. You already get cost of attendance money. You already get per diem. You already get the best dorms, the best... I mean, I, you know, I, I get... I, I think, like, you like, know, where, like, you, like... Where do you, you, where don't... Do you draw the... Like it's where, it's one of those things. Like, where do you draw the line? We, we I, I don't, you everything. I, I, you already have the money. Like everybody, the, the whole purpose of capitalism is most people in America today have enough food and have, uh, you know, a roof over their head, right? Correct. So Correct. the the reason the way, why we work is to get a better house and to get a better car and to have a like the, the the purpose of capitalism is like if you work harder you get more right and so I, I when you say you already have like I don't think that's a very good argument but to me and you have a possession I think there's a lot of people out there who have regifted a gift right like you get something and you're like regifting a gift is legal okay and regifting a gift is not is not terrible right like you get something for your wedding day and you're like eh you regift it okay I did get a used plate my wedding day when my wife's friend. But here, 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 yeah. Here's but, the, here's but, the but, question. But selling, like, it, selling a gift is different. You did but that. what are you what are you protecting from? Here's my argument from the get go. Like I don't understand. So first of all, my my bigger flaw with the NCAA is not with the NCAA. I think there should be no age restrictions on guys being able to go pro. Right. So I think if you want to go pro at 18 years old and you are LeBron James or whoever you are, you should be able to go straight to the NBA. And I think that would clear a lot of the quote-unquote improper benefit mess up because there's a relatively small number of guys who have infinitely more value, the DeAndre Aytons of the world, that have a substantial value well in excess of what their scholarship is. But well, having said well, that... Um, before, before, before you and keep that train of thought, just so you know, you can go professional, Right out of high school, you can actually go right to the G League if you prefer. Yeah, but you make forty thousand dollars a year. Okay, okay, but you, you don't want the like. Listen, if you don't want the job, it's okay, and it's a one year job. You prove yourself, you get drafted, you be first round draft pick. Yeah, but I, I'm go, saying I want go, if you have on, a every, if you have a multi million dollar value, you should be able to unlock a multi million dollar value you had, once you're eighteen. Truly, if the players truly had a multi million dollar value, they would be able to go to the G League and command a shoe deal. They can't. Because the value is actually attached to whatever to, to the promotion from the school that they plan. That's, that's the truth. So God's honest truth is there's a ton of value that schools give away, you know, so that you'll play play under their under the school's likeness. Like it actually works the other way. The school has the value, and if you don't believe it, like, do this: open your phone lines, ask anybody who they can name, have them call in from. You're on all over the country. Have them call in from Tennessee. Name one college football player in the western united states maybe bryce love that's it like the kids don't actually their name isn't actually valuable their name is valuable because it's attached to the school and the school promotes them and then we're like oh i like that guy and then he becomes a pro it's no different than the process of when you're a regular student you talked about 
he talked about, well, you know, if you 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 do you succeed, you want to earn more. You do. If you succeed in college. If you're what a is great the he, what what is the, the here's my big question, and I think this is this is the big question. Why yeah. does it matter? Like, why does it matter to your if you like? Uh, and you're correct. Look, I mean, Kentucky basketball. The kids who root for the fans who root for Kentucky. It doesn't matter who has Kentucky written on their chest. They're going correct. to root for them, whether it's John correct. Wall or Scott Padgett, right? Like whoever the guy is who's wearing the the Kentucky basketball uniform is going to get rooted for. Having said that, why does yes. it matter if Scott Padgett drives around in a Range Rover while he's playing for Kentucky and he lives in? the best apartment in Lexington, Kentucky. Like, why Why should the NCAA care about that? Um, well, first, they've established this is what we care about. That we're not, we're not, not doing a professional athlete. It's a system but but let's, be, let's be honest. Hold the on. reason why the NCAA cares about it is because it gives the NCAA a reason to exist. But I'm just saying, from a pure enjoyment no, perspective. No, 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 no. I, I, I would say, I would say that, that part of the reason the system exists as it is is because Greater benefits. For example, you know, like the the coaches are sponsored by Johnsons of Kingfisher, right? So the school collects money based upon that scholarship. If you allow each one, if you allow each uh, you know, each uh, car car company to sponsor a kid, well, then all of a sudden the school doesn't have that money, and that money is kind of the lifeblood of how they pay for everything, how they keep the lights on, how they pay the managers, etc. That's one part. Secondly, you do realize that we're operating in a tax shelter. And this is like a, like a big discussion that nobody ever wants to have. And the reason that college athletics proceeds very, very slowly is that none of these benefits are taxed. And in the real world, anything that any benefit is taxed, right? Anybody who's, met, who's moved for work knows every benefit you get. You get moved like, oh, we'll pick up your moving expenses, but then you get the tax bill. Everything you get is, in fact, taxed. That's not the case with schools. All the money you get, the scholarship money you get. Remember, for any of us who are paying for our kids to go through school, it's not just that it's ridiculously expensive, but it's post-tax income, right? So who's going to pay that bill? Um, so, so benefits are not taxed. Well, well I think the, the, I think the, the answer you is... a professional, your benefits get taxed. I think That's the answer fact. is, like, there, there's no tax evasion charges that are being pursued in the college basketball scandal But there's case, also, right? by the way, there's also no, the $100 handshakes aren't being pursued, right? Like, nobody, like, Ole Miss is on probation. It's not for $100 handshakes. It's not, it, it's for, it's for, they were just, they're buying dudes. Everybody knows they're buying dudes. That's how Ole Miss suddenly had three top five classes in a row. Come on, man. Like, like what, what but I, but what, so, I'm, what I'm taking the next step for is why does it matter? Like you can argue, okay, well that's money that would otherwise go to the university, but by and large, by, if by a and guy large, has got by and large, it matters. By and large, it matters because that's not that's not what we're in it for. You're in it to go and 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 play. I, I think I think in in theory that that is true, but if if that were really true, I mean, like every year. There are lots of guys who go to the NFL Combine and take the Wonderlick and test borderline subliterate, right? Like, they've been eligible for four years in college. And so, look, I'm fine with if you say, hey, the student-athlete experience matters, then I think everybody needs to, you know, like, if you're going to get a scholarship, then you have to take your SAT, you know, in a public venue where everybody can see it. Uh, you have to pass like a test at the end of four years to demonstrate that your education has actually been attained in some way. Yeah. Like uh, to me, what we basically got is we've created a uh, a default. I mean, it makes sense for the NFL, right? They get a free minor league system. 
the NBA gets a free minor league system, and yeah, the yeah, colleges yeah. Hold get. Hold on, but, but you but you act as though the players get nothing in return, and what they get. I mean, let's just be honest. If those same kids that the, the small group of kids, and it's a very small group that you're talking about, are subliterate or whatever. Those same, if if left on the street or if left in minor league, minor league sports, you know they're left with nothing. And instead, not only do they get a college experience, but we know the real value to college is the people that you're around, the relationships that you create, and that's what sets you sets you in place for the rest of your life. I would right? like, like to see I would like to see a study, and it's a good question, and we got to go to get an update from Eddie here. But I would like to see a study, and it would be a very good study for college basketball and college football players who start in college and don't go pro, right? Which is the vast majority of them. How much difference does it make for their income? If because a huge percentage of them never graduate, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you got to go to okay. But I use this all the time with, with Nick Wright. I didn't take a broadcasting class a day in my life, not a day in my life. You ask anybody when you, when you start, I started doing local radio, I played basketball overseas for two years, I started working for ESPN. And my first radio gig in Oklahoma City, I was, I was making base 60 and into 75 and 80 after endorsements. And no one in radio does that locally when it's their first gig. And the only reason it is is because I played at Oklahoma State. Yep. We, we, it's, 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 the, it's the untold story of this thing that, like, like Ohio State, we started talking about the Big Ten. You walk in to get a, I walk in to get a job okay, in the state of Ohio, and one guy had a great academic resume, as a bunch of people call, and the other guy played at Ohio State. Who do you think is getting that job? There's no I'll doubt. Mike, if you, I'll drop yeah. the mic and I'll talk to you later. There's no doubt that there. if you are smart and you stay in the state where you played and you made some plays in basketball or football, you have set yourself up in that market to do well for the rest of your life. There's no doubt. But that's if you can take advantage of it, if you can graduate, if you can put yourself in that position. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? Let's give you a Geico scoreboard from Major League Baseball where the A's beat the Mariners 7-6. Oakland is now two and a half games up on Seattle for that final wild card spot in the American League. They're also just two back of Idle Houston for the top spot in the AL West. Braves sweep a doubleheader from the Marlins. They win game 1-9-1, win the second game 6-1. Atlanta now has a full game lead on Idle Philadelphia for the top spot in the NL East. Diamondbacks lose to the Rangers 5-3. Dodgers fall to the Giants 5-2. Arizona still has a one-game lead atop the NL West on LA. And now also on Colorado, the Rockies were off, but they pick up a half game. In NFL news, Chicago Bears agreed to terms with first-round draft pick linebacker Roquan Smith, ending his holdout. He had been the last remaining unsigned rookie. New York Giants top pick running back Saquon Barkley suffered a mild left hamstring strain in practice, not expected to be serious. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment of the show up next. Let's unpack the Big Ten scandals and break them down. I'm Clay Travis, Ohio State, Maryland. We'll talk about it next on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. My big thing on NCAA rules as well, we were just talking with Doug Gottlieb about it. Gottlieb defends the, uh, the existing NCAA structure, and good for him. I mean, it worked well for him. If you eliminated every NCAA rule, which programs would be the best? The same ones that are the best now. 
So I'm anti-rules that exist that don't change anything. The idea for NCAA rules is, oh, we're going to create an even playing field. Nobody's going to South Alabama instead of Alabama. And nobody is going to Bowling Green instead of Ohio State, right? So the programs that are the most desirable are going to get the best players no matter what the rules are. So I would just do away with the improper benefits investigations, let guys drive whatever cars, let them stay in whatever apartments they want, and take it outside of the realm of hidden uh, benefits and just make it real life. Uh, speaking of hidden benefits, this this Ohio State story, and we're going to talk to Brett McMurphy tomorrow in hour three. I find it utterly fascinating to think about what's really going on here. Why did Urban Meyer keep this wide receiver coach, Zach Smith, on his staff? Now, some of you out there are going to say, oh, well, his dad, his grandfather was a Ohio State legend, and that's it doesn't make sense. This guy's arrested for domestic assault in 2009. Arrested and accused of beating up his pregnant wife. Urban Meyer and the Florida Gator coaching staff convince her to drop charges. Okay, that's a little bit mysterious and ugly, but Urban Meyer and his wife Shelly are involved and they say, oh, you know, it's a young couple. We think things will get resolved here. 2011, December, you get the Ohio State job and one of the first guys you hire is Zach Smith who was arrested for attacking his pregnant girlfriend? That's suspicious. 2013, this guy gets arrested for a DUI. Somehow, you don't find out, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if an Ohio State assistant coach gets arrested for a DUI in Ohio, you can bet your bottom dollar that Urban Meyer has found out about it. There's too many police officers who are Ohio State fans. There's too many judges. There's too many prosecutors. There's too many uh, defense attorneys. Way too many people know about this case for word might not to for word not to have gotten back to Urban Meyer. Now Zach Smith says, "Oh, Urban never knew. I kept it quiet." There's no way that you keep that quiet. And then in 2015, your wife gets texted photos of this guy allegedly beating up his wife again. And you keep this guy employed through all of that. I know he's Earl Bruce's grandson. Something else is going on here. Urban Meyer is not that dumb. He cares way too much about every detail. I don't know what the ultimate story is here, but a 2009 domestic violence arrest a 2013 DUI arrest, 2015, at least initially the police report this as an arrest and later say, no, 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 we just investigated it. And then finally you fire him in 2018. How many times do you get to be arrested or investigated on a serious level for serious crimes like domestic violence and also mixing in a DUI with that? Urban Meyer's decision-making here is indefensible. We got another week of this investigation going on. I think what will happen is this committee 
will announce their ruling on Friday afternoon at like 6 p.m., and then Ohio State's going to make their announcement. I think they're going to try to suspend Urban Meyer for four or five games and try to keep him after that. This is an ugly situation. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more tomorrow with Brett McMurphy. We'll see what additional details, if any, might come out today as this investigation is ongoing. But just ask yourself that. How many people at normal jobs, not even a job where you're a forward-facing assistant head coach, I mean, like, how many of you, if you are a teacher, would get to keep your job if you got arrested for domestic violence and a DUI? How many people with totally normal jobs would get to keep their jobs if they had arrests like these? Why in the world did Urban Meyer keep this guy employed? I think there's more to this story. I think we're going to find out more later this week. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.